Hey everybody, Economic Ninja here. I hope you're doing well. I've got a really interesting story today. I don't know what time it's going to come out, but good morning. If you got your cup of coffee, sit back and enjoy. We're going to tell a story about a nuclear power plant. Actually, I'm going to tell that story right now, and then we're going to dive into what's going on with the Russia and European gas situation, how I believe it could turn into quite a crisis, all right? And Canada's also being dragged in on this one. So first off, there's a nuclear power plant in California in San Diego County called San Onofre. It's completely uh, offline now. It's closed up. It's not gonna probably ever come back again. If it did, it would be literally an act of Congress. One of the main reasons why it closed down was of these things called steam generators. Now I used to work in a nuclear power plant. I have a little bit of understanding about this kind of stuff. And this does tie into what's going on in Russia right now. Uh, San Onofre uh, needed new steam generators to bring the, uh, uh, the current plant up to current standards, right? To be able to keep running. Because all the equipment inside of a power plant only has certain shelf life until parts degrade and they just implode. So it's definitely not what you want with a nuclear power plant. So they had these two steam generators, which were totally different than the ones they had prior because those were really old. They were large, um, very large actually. I want to say like 65 feet tall. They were built by Mitsubishi. They were shipped over here. Very huge, very expensive process. Long story short, they didn't work. And when uh, Edison tried to go after Mitsubishi and sue them, Mitsubishi just simply said, hey, sorry, here's the specs. You know, you're out of luck. And essentially the entire plant had to close down. Lots of jobs were lost. And then what happened was an increase in electricity costs pretty in pretty short order after San Onofre closed because you had to buy electricity that you're now missing from that plant in other places. Well now, in a nuclear power plant, there's these things called steam turbines. And they're very similar to what is being spoke about right now in this story, and I'm gonna link it below. And essentially this uh, story's out of the hedge and it's entitled, Russia says it will increase gas to Europe under one condition. Now, if you haven't been following what's going on in Europe, especially Germany, they are very concerned with the shipments of uh, uh, gas through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline from Russia to Germany because they're already experiencing massive, massive inflation. Some would argue hyperinflation now in energy prices uh, because they are not only getting less of it, but also the futures markets are running up the prices, right? So here you go, check this out. Russia will increase gas supplies to Europe if a turbine necessary for Nord Stream 1 is currently that is currently undergoing repair in Canada is returned, Reuters reported on Friday. It says Ukraine urged Canada on Thursday not to return a gas turbine to Gazprom, claiming that the Russian major has enough turbines to keep gas flowing to Europe at full capacity. Now let me explain why I told the story of San Onofre. Um, if San, so they desperately needed that San Onofre, the electrical power that was produced by that nuclear power plant, right? Well, you can't just turn on a switch or turn off a switch of these nuke plants. And to build a part for this, they are so custom, it's insane. And I've been up near the uh, turbines, the steam turbines, that are very similar to the gas turbines um, used to push this uh, material through the pipes, right? To say these are custom is an understatement. You don't just go out and say, hey, I want a five or six turbines. These things are absolutely massive and custom built. Well, now you have a very interesting situation here. We not only have geopolitical threats because of war, but you also have massive supply chain constraints going on right now. You can't just order one up. And if you did, even if times were good, it takes quite some time to build it. Even if you have the specs, it takes a lot of time. So right now, that is one thing that both Europe and Russia do not have. So what's going on is Ukraine is using this as a bargaining chip to hold off. Now, uh, what's going on is uh, 
According to a report that Reuters put out, cited a Ukrainian government official, if Canada returns the turbine to Gazprom, which is a Russian company, it would violate its own sanctions. It says, and here's a quote, the sanctions forbid the transfer of any equipment related to gas, the Ukrainian government source said. If God forbid the decision is approved, we would undoubtedly appeal to our European colleagues that their approach must be reassessed because if countries do not follow decisions they have agreed about sanctions, how can we talk about solidarity? He added per, per Reuters. All right. Um, the turbine affair began last month when Gazprom began to reduce its gas flows via Nord Stream 1. That's a pipeline. The Russian state company attributed the reduction to a missing turbine that had not been returned after maintenance. Let me give you a couple of scenarios uh, here, uh, and I'm gonna link the story below so you guys can check it out. What people need to realize is that regardless if that was just an excuse, Russia also knows that there's only so many of these turbines around. And this was sent off to a company in Canada, to Siemens, to have it rebuilt, repaired, renewed, right? This is, again, explaining how uh, vital these are and how hard they are to source or have them built, okay? Because they have them sent off for refurbishment, all right, and repair. So what's going on is now Canada's involved too, and they're like, oh man, we, we can't just send this back. Siemens is going, sorry, you're sort of SOL because uh, we don't want to violate any sanctions too, right? So Russia says they're already seeing the writing on the wall, and they're going, right, we're going to back off the, the gas because, hey, we don't want to implode it. You know, We don't want to push our system to the max, and, and they're kind of come up with all kinds of reasons and say, we don't want one of our other turbines to go out. Now, it's an interesting dilemma because not only does Europe vitally, vitally need this energy, and quite frankly, you've got to ask yourself, who's in control? Who's got the upper leg? Because Europe could literally completely collapse if this uh, energy goes straight up hyperinflation numbers and it runs their economy into the ground because people cannot survive with paying these exorbitant energy costs and keep you know, pumping money into the real economy, all right? On the other hand, Russia needs to be able to sell its gas. If they don't sell their gas, they have less money flowing into their company or country. And again, they have issues. Now, some would argue, and I am on this side, that Russia has the upper hand because um, they can squeeze Europe faster and harder than Russia will get squeezed getting the payments and flowing into their real economy. Russia still has a lot going for itself. As a matter of fact, it could run really lean because it's so rich in natural resources. Uh, so that's a very interesting thing. We, we also saw that with the fact that countries need so desperately to buy Russian natural resources um, that they forced countries to buy them in rubles, right? When the ruble price collapsed, Russia simply said, hey, all right, I'll tell you what, you, know, you want our natural resources, you're gonna have to buy them in rubles, which immediately caused a demand for rubles. Now, I want you to remember too, that is exactly what the United States has been doing since the uh, 70s, or even earlier than that, actually, and saying, you know, hey, you want to buy any uh, oil around the world, you need our currency. So what happens is it created a demand for our currency, which made ours, once again, like I say before, the best smelling turd in the currency punch bowl. So Russia just grabbed a note from the US of A's playbook when it comes to geopolitical currency wars. And they said, hey, here we go. This is what we're going to do. And it's working out pretty good. So I would say that I think that Russia has the upper hand in this situation. And, and Europe is at a very serious um, crossroads here. 
And what I want people to understand, too, is that the European uh, collapse that's happening right now, right? I, it sounds funny. I had a gentleman that really knows nothing about how uh, economies work, but he has no problem telling other people they're, they're wrong. When I was talking to another uh, friend about uh, the European collapse and the uh, ECB emergency measures and how the euro is at a 20-year low to the dollar, this person obviously butted in and just said, you don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with the euro. It's fine. And I go, well, it's at a 20-year low to the dollar. They go, no, it's not. I'm like, well, Google it. He found out real quick he was wrong. Then, and I bring this up for a reason. Then I said, well, you know, do you know the ECB is having emergency meetings? Well, I don't know anything about that. Well, we'll take a look. And he goes, well, that, that doesn't tell you much. I'm like, no, an emergency meeting is because there's an emergency. <laughs> you got to almost spell this out for people. And the reason why I bring this up is because this person is not alone, the person I'm talking about. So many people have no idea how it affects uh, how Europe is being affected, but also what I want people to understand, because this same person I heard whining the other day, oh, I wish my retirement would go back up because he has uh, a retirement in what's called his government, uh, similar to a 401k, but it's called the TSP or the Thrift Savings Plan. And he's lost like, I want to say 25% of its value since January. And he's lamenting over it and he can't stop looking at his account. And in the one breath, he's saying that. And the other uh, in his in his words, he has no clue what he's talking about because Europe is directly, their crash is directly gonna affect the United States. Why? Because they are our number one trading partner when it comes to currencies. I'm not joking. You can actually trade currencies. And between you, the US and Europe, for the last 10 years, they've been doing some really neat, tricky ways of confusing people with Forex swaps and debt swaps. That's a whole other video, but I just want to explain that as Europe collapses, so goes the U.S. And even though it, right now it feels like the U.S. is not being affected by all this, it is. And I want people to understand that. Remember, in 2005, Germany was slipping into a recession and it took down, it helped take down and awaken people to what was going on with Lehman Brothers and a lot of other stuff over in the U.S. And then later on, everybody seemed to have forgotten it when Greece and Cyprus were having issues and Germany was the one uh, making all the rules, which I think is completely lame. All right, guys, that being said, I hope you got something out of this. Thank you for all the thumbs up. Thank you for all the new subscribers. With that being said, the Economic Ninja is out.